This is This Never Comes Up. I'm Lauren Blair Donovan. I'm Cody Champagne. And we have the wonderful My Twin Brother, Theo Manhattan, on the podcast today. <laughs> Thanks for having me, guys. Like this, we're always just hanging out as friends anyway, but yeah. for, for this to be like a formal podcast <laughs> hangout, this it, is going to be... Yeah. This is so cool to see you guys on this element. Ooh, Thank it's you. official it's, now. Yeah, it's fun podcaster land people listening out there. That was that rolled off the tongue. <laughs> uh, yeah, no, we're like besties in real life, all three of us. Yeah. Like, Which is why this is going to be like a 12-hour episode. Probably. Buckle up. <laughs> Here we go. So, uh, what we do on this program is we talk to people about the things that don't come up in regular conversation, things about them that a lot of people just don't know. Mm. Yeah, stuff that organically maybe gets pushed down, not because it's dark or bad, but because we all have our talking points, and people tend to ask very general, non-specific, sometimes even uninteresting questions <laughs> when getting to know us, and we're saying we're not going to do that. So. Not going to do that. So, yeah. Theo, in that spirit, what do you want to talk about? <laughs> I, I'm so glad that I actually thought of something that I could talk about. And so I'd be like, hmm, I wonder. But oh, that'd uh, be awful. <laughs> yeah, that'd be horrible. Not good for podcast content. Mm-hmm. So here's the thing. I've had roughly two great callings in my life. And I'm currently on my second, which is stand-up comedy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that, yeah. That's like the one thing in my life recently where I'm like, all right, I'm meant to do this. This feels so natural. I'm obsessed and immersed in it. Mm-hmm. But my first ever calling in life was... The priesthood. No, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I'm wearing my habit right now, actually. Yeah. Um, I like that you're able to combine your two passions. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> Stand up priesting. <laughs> uh, my, my first calling uh, ever was music. And I quite the... I shouldn't say, like, I had a behind-the-music VH1 music career, but I had, like, a equally obsessive music part of me, where now it's, now it's like, music appreciation in a way, but, like, then it was, like, drumming and stuff. I, I should say I have a third, I have a third call, a third obsession, which mm-hmm. is, like, Magic the Gathering. Sure. <laughs> like, I, I used to be semi-pro with that. Oh, yeah. I, it's a bit. No, oh seriously. My God. Yeah, yeah. Wow. Like I actually was I actually like I'm still obsessed with Magic the Gathering. Did I ever tell you my Magic the Gathering story? Like oh, this is about to become an episode of a Magic the Gathering. <laughs> we're, no, we're going to talk about music, but I want to oh, hear God, this too. Yes. I tell this a lot in improv because it makes for like a good monologue, I think at least, and it I think it's pretty fucking funny. So when I was in high school, um, my friend group was a little bit nondescript because, like, I went to a school where there was, like, 80 kids per grade. So you kind of – and I liked all my friends, and I still like them to this day. But you kind of don't pick your friends. You inherit your friends <laughs> yeah, based yeah. on if you do sports or if you drink a lot or if you're the good kids. or You know, it's it, you don't necessarily have a ton in common otherwise. Sure. And I think that was kind of my friend group a little bit, um, except for the fact that I will say everyone had a tremendous sense of humor, if not – were actually very funny. Great. And so a lot of us were kind of into like skateboarding or rollerblading or things of that nature. But of course, none of us the exact same thing. Sure. And I had two friends, uh, Ryan and Alex, who were close to me in the alphabet. So we had homeroom together, which is going to come up. But they were both very into uh, skateboarding. 
Sweet. And my friend, my best friend Lauren and I were more rollerbladers, so sometimes we'd all do that together. You were all wheelies. I guess. Yeah, right. I could do some cool jumps on it, actually. I shouldn't <laughs> really? think it wasn't that cool. But yeah, no, I was pretty good, actually. That's now sweet. I can't because I'm a puppeteer and I'm petrified of breaking my wrist, you know? But mm-hmm. uh, I could see you do roller derby for sure. Well, I can't do roller skates, though. Got you know, it. and they do roller skates. I did consider it for a second, and I'm terrible on skates. I do the... Because it's all in line. Like, well, it's hard to well, it's balance. Two rows. It's yeah. two rows. Yeah, whereas, like, rollerblading is all four wheels in a row. Yeah. So, um, anyway, Ryan and Alex sat near me in homeroom, and they were like, I'd hear them say, hey, Ryan, do you want to go skateboarding after school? And I'd whip my head around and be like, oh, Lauren and I are around. We should all do it. They'd be like, no. And I was very insecure, like very insecure in high school. Like there's no way I can even express that enough. It was bad. And so my friends rejecting the idea of hanging out with me with like a group activity was so hurtful. Oh, for sure. And and I did not handle it well. And this happened multiple times where I hear them inviting only each other to, to skateboard. And it was super weird and super alienating. And then one day one of them fucked up. And said, hey, Alex, do you want to do magic uh, skateboarding? Oh. <laughs> oh. So they weren't rollerblading at all? No, they were They were not skateboarding. They were They were playing Magic the Gathering. And they wanted to make plans publicly without outing themselves oh. as big fat nerds. Oh, my God. I did not see <laughs> this so coming. I find this out. And I tell everyone I know, obviously. Because, like, they had been hurting me my whole junior year. Not, like, inviting oh. me to play. I'm like, you guys are playing, like, really loudly. I'm like, you guys are playing Magic and not skateboarding. Yeah. Yeah. Which at that time period is super embarrassing because it's so dirty. But at the point in my life when I discovered it, I was like out of, I was just at, like, I was like just, just in college Mm -hmm. in the fact that I was like almost graduated. So I was like almost out. So like I found it at a really interesting time. I found like two, me and my friend Kevin found like two decks in his like closet. Mm. And we were like, hey, let's just, like, learn this and play it. And then we became, like, super obsessed with strategies and, like, the actual names of the pros. And, like, we'd watch the Twitch streams. And, like, we'd go to tournaments and play. We'd, like, we'd spend, like, our McDonald's paychecks, like, buying tons of booster packs and crafting oh decks. God, and it turned into us, like... Like making deck lists and like, <laughs> and like figuring out what the meta game was, and and like I ended up working at a, a card shop actually. Wow. Yeah, except I never got to facilitate magic tournaments. I had to facilitate Yu Gi Oh tournaments, and <laughs> Yu Gi Oh kids are the worst. Hey, hey, they're the worst. I was a Yu Gi Oh kid. I was too, and that's why I can say that. And you were a musician, and that's what we're here to talk about. That's right. But I thought it was a nice tangent because. <laughs> I had plenty of obsessions. Obsessions are one thing, but callings are different. Callings are different. Yeah, Yeah. so you didn't have a calling to be a professional Magic the Gathering. Yeah, I had a calling for music and a calling for comedy. So uh, what what this is all about is... uh, And that's what's weird is because I'm so obsessed with music and I had such a life with it, but when you're in comedy so much, it almost doesn't come up that much. Mm-hmm. Like well, comedy takes over your life. Oh, it does. Yeah. And I have take... no hobbies. I'm like trying to work on having hobbies again. <laughs> it's a blessing and a curse. Yes, because like yes. we're more than just comedians. Mm-hmm. We're like also we also have other interests. But you have mm-hmm. to throw yourself so into it to oh get God. any traction. And, and I'm get... fine with it because yeah, it makes us better and stuff like that. But 
um, I, I, so my, my love of music basically started with, uh, in 10th grade and basically my birthdays would consist of, uh, me going to Best Buy and like my mom buying me tons of CDs because, mm-hmm. or like DVDs and stuff. Cause I, I loved, I loved listening to music. I loved, uh, watching movies whatnot so mm-hmm. i wanted a huge collection mm-hmm. and then one day we were at best buy and my mom was like hey how about instead of cds why not i buy you drum lessons mm-hmm. and because cool. oh it was super cool because we had a family friend named kevin carey who was a guitar and drum teacher like longtime family mm-hmm. friend um and so i was like I thought about it a little bit because it never occurred to me. And I was like, I can't play any instruments. How old were you again? 10th uh, grade, I would have been about... Uh, 16-ish. 15? Yeah, 15. Yeah, and, and by the way, just as a preface, my my life goal, like my career goal up to that point was to become a, an intelligence officer for the CIA. I didn't see that coming. <sighs> No one ever does. But, like, starting in fourth grade, I was, like, obsessed with detective stuff and spy stuff. Like, just, my whole life was just engaged. Like, I would would buy detective kits and, like, fingerprint profile my whole family. I'd, like, collect their fingerprints and stuff. And, like, dust around the house. And How many lives have you lived, Theo Manet? So many. I'm on my fourth life right now. Oh, my God. I'm part cat. Five more lives. We exactly. So many more episodes we're gonna do with you now, just off of tangents. From this. <laughs> oh uh, so, God. what 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 the CIA wanted in order to become intelligence was they wanted you to have like two years of of basic training in like Air Force or Marines or mm-hmm. like a branch, and it, it was like crazy serious how real it was becoming because I was at the point where I kind of had to decide at that, and I was like. Mm-hmm. I, I was thinking ROTC for college, going into oh. Air Force. They'd mm-hmm. pay my college bills. I, I'd just be an Air Force guy and then do CIA. And then when I found out about basic training, I was like, I don't want to do basic training. Right. Like, push-ups and, like, getting up early. Sounds awful. It sounds horrible. You just wanted to, like, do all the cool stuff and gather information. I, I just wanted to be an information gatherer. Mm-hmm. And my grandpa was an Air Force intelligence officer, so... Uh, it, it made a lot of sense to do Air Force. Mm-hmm. So my mom asking me to get drum lessons was an interesting point in my life mm. because it was, I was becoming less, I was becoming more phased out of wanting to do military. And I was like, you know what? Let's give it a try. That'd be fun. So she, she got me my first drum lesson. I went in Kevin's basement. He had two drum sets in the basement. He sat at his, I sat at mine. And they're like, you're looking at all the symbols, all the drums look crazy. Uh, and then he's like, all right, we're going to start with just like a basic four on the floor pattern, like, so we just like did the do to cat the whole time. And he, he like, he didn't start it off as like just showing me a beat. He like put the sheet music up and taught me how to read sheet music with drums. And I was just like learning how to do sheet. And the, the first lesson, I instantly fell in love with it. Mm-hmm. I was just like, I don't know what it is about it, but the idea of like learning the patterns and like creating rhythms was just so cool to me. Yeah. So 
Kevin led me to, to practice like he wanted me to practice before the next lesson. So he let me borrow like an electric pad. Like it had four different pads on it to like program different drum sounds and I'd practice on those. And I just kept loving it so much more. He was like teaching me Tom Petty songs because those are really simple on drums. Mm -hmm. And my mom finally bought me my first electric kit. That, like, looked like a real kit, but it was, like, pads. Mm -hmm. And you could program all the different sounds and all that. Oh, cool. And, and then there were headphones that came with it. So, like, it was in my room, and that's all I did for, for like, hours every day. It was I sat up at kit, and I just, like, wanted to learn all these different rhythms. I was looking at all these rudiments on sheet music. And, like, eventually I was like, hey, Kevin, could you teach me YYZ by Rush? And this was right after Tom Petty. So he's like... That's a jump, right? That's what he yeah, said on the phone. He's like, Theo, it's like you going from kindergarten to 12th grade. So like, they had like a 20 person, or 20, not 20 person, but like 20 piece drum kit or even more. Oh yeah, Neil Peart had like one yeah. of the biggest kits ever. Yeah. It was like rotating and stuff. But uh, I like started learning like all these drummers and like all these bands. And he like would give me records to play. And I was just, like, so immersed in the drumming world, and I became obsessed with drumming. And at that point, I just didn't want to do military anymore. Like, yeah. I was... It, it's weird how it's weird how music, like, gives you by osmosis, like, the ideologies behind it, too, mm -hmm. where you're like, I'm a conscientious objector now. Like, I don't want to do war. I want music. Like, I like... Hippies make sense now. And... <laughs> So fun. Did you ever watch Freaks and Geeks? I did. I loved Jason it. Jason Siegel's character was a big drummer into Rush, and his dad wanted him to join the military. So yeah. It's not quite the same story, but it's reminding me. There's a lot of same flavors. And that's why I bonded with that character so well, because it's like four character. snares, 20 cymbals, eight toms, two gongs. Um, <laughs> and uh, like a lot of it, too, is like my dad introduced me to bands like The Who, who are... Uh, tied for first for my favorite band. With who? With Tool. Okay. And, um. Very drum heavy bands. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I'm, I'm very into the percussive aspect of things. Um, and then, like, my dad introduced me to Cream. So I was, like, very into classic rock at an early age. The Beatles 1 was my first album I bought with my own money. Because, mm -hmm. like, I had a babysitter who would, like, only play us Beatles songs, and his name was David. David would be like, all right, Theo, you're going to be Ringo this time. I'm going to be Paul. Mm -hmm. We'd, like, switch roles and singing parts. He was a great babysitter. Yeah. That's good. Man. Like, I, like looking back, that he was he, David was, like, the quintessential babysitter. Because mm -hmm. he's, like, classic rock, like, pretending you're bands. That's so cool. Um, he should have been in the Babysitter's Club. He should have been. Come on. They had a boy. I think his name was Logan. Logan? He didn't seem as cool as David, though. Should have yeah. been David. Da David was so cool. Mm -hmm. Um, so, a month into playing drums, uh, like, cause Kevin and I bonded over music anyway, but even before I was a musician, though we talk about The Who and, like, he was into My Chemical Romance and mm -hmm. stuff at the time, and, uh, Kevin, I, I, up to this point, I did not like metal whatsoever. Mm. I was like, I don't get it. It's screaming. It doesn't sound like real music to it's me. It's scary. It's scary. Yeah. And uh, Kevin, a month into me playing drums, he's like, hey, man, so are the, we're, my band is looking for a drummer. 
And the one drummer we have can't really do it anymore. There's nobody else. Can you do it? And I'm like, well, what kind of music is it? He's like, well, I mean, it's screamo, but, you know. And I'm like, and, but because Kevin was my best friend, I, you don't want to let down your bestie. Yeah. So I'm like, all right, just just so I don't let you down, like, you need a drum. So I bring my electric kit with me, and I, like, set it up, and, like, we start playing, like, I don't know how to metal drum or anything like that, so we just start, and the band name was As Dreams Turn to Nightmares. Oh so emo. <laughs> that just says MySpace all over it. Yes. Where his dreams turn to nightmares, bro. Which I guess the the lead screamer slash bassist was uh, the guy who came up with that name, and he got it from like a Black Sabbath lyric or oh, something. Of course, he sure. ripped it off. Of sure, course. of course. So, and I've never, I never met anybody else in the band. I only knew Kevin. So it was me, Kevin, and Alex. Uh, who's the bassist and screamer, and then Colin, who uh, um, is an important part of my life now, who's the rhythm guitarist and singer. Um, so, like, we learned one song called Wake Up, and I just did, like, what I learned. So I, I would do, like, basic bass drum stuff, like, do, do, do. And then, like, pss, 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 pss. <laughs> like, crash cymbal stuff. So it was, like, aggressive. So it was, like, our first, my first ever band experience. And I was like, all right, I guess. So we would, like, start to do band practice, like, once a week after school. We'd, like, pile in the Kevin's Honda Odyssey van. (laughs) And, like, we'd crank up, like, Hollywood Undead, like, Drop Dead Gorgeous, like, all of these screamo bands, Event Sevenfold. Any band with dead in the name, yeah. Oh, yeah, for sure. Uh, Event Sevenfold, like, all the screamo and stuff, and... It started to grow on me a little mm-hmm. bit, honestly. Like, they were into more emo rock at the time, like Aiden and AFI and stuff like that. Um, but, like, Screamo started to get to, like, Chiodos I started to get into. So I was, like, really starting to get into Screamo a little bit. The last, sorry, not the last, the first ever, <laughs> the first ever gig that we got was at a church. Of all places. Mm. Like a church? He was like, yeah, it's a lot. Dreams come turn to night. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the first Presbyterian church. Yeah. What What was the situation that led to a metal band playing in a church? We, we asked that. We were like, why a church? And, and it's not like we could be picky. Right. So we were just like, whatever. Why did the church want you, though? I, I don't know. know. I so was it It was the church that, was it the church that invited you guys? Apparently. Were like going to try to convert you guys? <laughs> yeah. Who knows? But when like, nightmares you were... turned back into dreams. <laughs> heavenly dreams. When nightmares turned to Jesus. <laughs> you were, you guys were the bad example that they brought in to show all of their congregants. They were like, whatever this is what the, you can be <laughs> Whatever the Jesus. ulterior motive was, like, we took it anyway. We're like, there's nothing to lose. And uh, so we go to the lockdown. I bring my kit with me. And uh, we only knew like one and a half songs, maybe. <laughs> we, we, like two, we knew like, this is what we practiced. We practiced One Love by Aiden, Paranoid by Sabbath, and our one original song called Wake Up. Mm-hmm. And so we set up and they barely let us set up. They're like, yeah, you can set up, but right now we're playing everybody's it tag. Like what? What is this? <laughs> it turns out that this lockdown was 
Everybody else there, our audience turned out to be like 12-year-old girls. Oh my god. In sleeping no. bags. No. This is creepy. That they like, put on the gym floor. What's wrong with religion that this is happening? I don't know! I don't know! But, <laughs> but then they like gather everyone. I'm... I don't know why I did it, but I played everybody's it tag with everyone, and Kevin and Colin and Alex ended up going into the bathroom and, like, talking about how, how BS it was, and they're all mad. And Colin showed up with, like, a bandana and a Jack Daniels t-shirt to oh a church. Oh my god. <laughs> and, and he was pissed off because the church was like, we can't have alcohol on your shirt. And we're all underage, too, yeah. on top of this. So he's wearing a Jack Daniels t-shirt, and uh, we if we finally get on stage, and we we start our one original song, we play Wake Up, and one of the lyrics in Wake Up is, let's burn this place down. Yeah. Oh my god. <laughs> so like... So it's such, it, we're playing this and, and the, the girls and the audience, they are just, they're just staring at us. They don't know of what course. to, they're just like, eh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, and we end it and then we just go, and then we just sort of like, all right, what are we going to do? Let's do paranoid. And then we do paranoid and like, we kind of quit like halfway through that. Very professional. Oh yeah, and then we're kind of just like talking to each other on stage. Like, were the girls in sleeping bags listening to any of this? Did they care? I I think they were just speechless. Honestly, <laughs> I really don't know what was going on. When you're playing a band named Black Sabbath in a church, it's time to figure out what's going on. Oh, but we did it. Because, like, we played One Love by Aiden for, like, a quarter of it because I, I was doing double time on the drums instead of the regular pace, so they didn't want to do it anymore. We just kind of quit after that. And then they were like, Theo, do a drum solo. <laughs> and I'm a, I'm a month into playing drums, mind you, and the one drum solo that I knew was the pre-programmed demo solo on my electric kit. <laughs> so I press the drum solo demo button on that and it's like ringing out this through the speakers. This sounds like the worst gig ever. It's <laughs> horrible. It doesn't even sound real. It's like truth is stranger than fiction. Oh, it's it's so real. It's, it's like, still uh, emblazoned in my... And during the solo, I get off on, just to be a showman, I get off on the stage and I'm running around dancing in the gym floor <laughs> and then I try jumping onto the stage and I... I hit my ribs on the stage, and I'm like, I'm like doubled over, and I do an Angus Young, like <laughs> run around uh, on the floor. Yeah, Jesus. So, and then someone came up to us after the gig, and they were like, "Dude, you're in my top five bands of all time." And we're like, "No, How we're did not." That <laughs> I have no idea. What, was he being like, sarcastic? No, he's being totally serious. So, he's never heard of music before. Yeah, Apparently not. I, but it's in a church, so I don't think any of them heard of oh music. Yeah. in a church? What denomination do you remember? Because that we, can be so... That can we were so, so traumatized yeah. that we didn't even care at this point. And, and they wanted us to stay in the church as part of the lockdown oh overnight. And so they were like, all right, well, we're now we're going to play a, a Bible scavenger hunt. <laughs> We've placed... We've, we've placed Bible verses around the church. You're going to pick them up, and then you're going to try finding the next one. And me and Kevin are like, I, I had tennis the next morning because I was a tennis guy. Sure. And I was like, I have to, I had a tennis tournament tomorrow, and Kevin's very just pissed. Yeah. So metal. Yeah. And, uh, and then Kevin is like, 
yeah, we're just going to go. So we told them and we're like, yeah, we're just going to go. And they like tried to get us to stay, but we're like, it's no. It's like creepy, actually. Yeah. So creepy. And then we left. And that was our first gig. <laughs> I like that you played one song, then half a song, then a quarter of a song, and then nothing. Yeah, and it was a nice And then a non-song. Yeah. Oh, God. That was, that was the first gig. And um, our second gig was... I, I, I seriously don't know how we get asked to do these things, but then our basis... And, and by the way, I have so much to say about the basis, too. Like, there's so many chapters within the chapter. Uh, but the the basis next practice after this gig, because we're just, like, defeated. Mm-hmm. Like, what happened? The basis shows up. He's like, hey, guys, because we all went to the same high school. Yeah. And he's like... Hey, so uh, John Marshall asked us if we want to perform uh, a, a set in the in like a hallway in the school during passing time, like Christmas songs. What? I didn't know that could ever be a thing. I didn't know. I'm like, that we're very distracting, what? and you have to like set up and leave class. I would assume to set up or take down. Or... Exactly, and we're like, and we what have to learn Christmas to? covers. Like, that's crazy. Public high school, but still, who who does that? I don't know. Is John Marshall like your principal or something? Or... No, John Marshall is the name of the high school. Oh, John Marshall okay, High School. It. We okay. were the John Marshall. That's Rockets. such an official name. Like it's like a real name, not like a president's name. Like. JFK. Well, John Marshall was the first black Supreme Court justice, if I'm not mistaken. Oh, that's okay. Cool. Okay. I think. So your high school in Minnesota is named after him? Uh, yeah. That's is great, he... actually. Okay, that's a better story. Yeah, uh, well, I think, yeah, yeah, I, I, he was one of, he was one of the first, or, but, I mean, Minnesota anyway is a blue state, yeah. so, no, like, no. we're pretty progressive. Um, so you're playing this gig in a hallway. No, we, we didn't get to, didn't? But, but we had to learn two, we had to learn two Christmas songs. Wait, they so denied we, you? They, like, rejected you? They just didn't tell us we weren't going to do it. Like, the day <laughs> came and They did the very went. Hollywood thing? Yeah. yeah. And then, uh, so we learned Frosty the Snowman and Deck the Halls, and, but in metal. Oh. But it was like... Um. We didn't even scream or anything. We just did, like, regular rock stuff. And we were just like, this is stupid, dude. <laughs> but something I forgot to mention was uh, that was that was the first band I was in as a instrumentalist. I realized, like, I was in a band in, like, early, even earlier in high school, like, freshman year of high school as a vocalist. And we, we were called, because I didn't know any instruments, so I was like, I'll try singing, which... I couldn't sing, mm. and we, we were called we were called Steel Wizard. Your names are terrible. I'm, <laughs> I'm just. What do you mean, that. Steel Wizard's <laughs> terrible? It's a it's a oh. Steel Wizard. Oh, oh God! And, and was it was it was the same guy came up with both names? No, no, different members. <laughs> oh, uh, but we we actually were we first started as Steel Wizard, and then was that we, a rip off of a song lyric? <laughs> no. But we and met, they ran they ran into an actual <laughs> steel wizard and they were like but we were like we need a different name than steel wizard because that sounds too nerdy so guess what we ended up being oh, what, no, what was I your improved I don't want to name. our new and improved name Cody and Blair Cloudtop Fighters stop it I'm yeah. dead serious stop it. Stop it. <laughs> I'm serious Cloudtop Fighters Cloudtop Fighters I can't my brain just died <laughs> <Wow>. <laughs> and so. I, I was like basically teaching myself how to sing, and so we started off with uh, "Smells Like Teen Spirit," which Natch. I never. That was the first time I heard Nirvana. 
Oh, oh wow! Was yeah, because of Cloud Top Fighters. Because of Cloud, my my guitarist Tyler Sean Quiler. Tyler Sean Quiler and the Cloud Top Fighters. Yeah. Oh my god! So he inter- he actually introduced. I, I liked Tyler a lot because he was a good friend of mine in high school. But he introduced me to Nirvana and to Green Day. Okay. I used to not like Green Day, but then he made me a mixtape. He's like, "Here's their greatest hits." I uh, listened to him, and then I did, and I was like, "I love Green Day now." There you go. So Green Day has always had a special place mm-hmm. in my heart. Mm-hmm. Early Green Day, mm-hmm. not sure. the American Idiot and on. Okay, sure. real Green Day, real According to the mainstream, but not the punk rock base they had that got alienated when they actually went mainstream. Yeah, yeah I'm Dookie and Nimrod for yeah. days. You're fucking in between. I'm halfway in between punk rock and the mainstream, man. Yeah, yes. I'm the bridge. I'm the bridge. Um, and then the second song we learned. Oh, oh my god. This is all coming back. We we did. Oh my god! I haven't thought about this in ages. We get our our original song. We it was called Anvil's Head. <laughs> oh, god. I'm simultaneously so sad and so relieved I did not get to see this band. <laughs> <laughs> well, they, we we never had gigs. We just played in basements oh, and practice. I still could watch. I still. But we I'm glad I did it. And pe- people would uh people would be like uh. Who, what's that cat crying out that we keep hearing? And that was me singing. Oh my god! So while well, you were singing Anvil's head, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Apparently, and then and then uh, I was like, "Hey guys, uh, I suck at singing. I can't be a part of this band anymore." I'm glad that you knew that, though. I feel like so many people want to be lead so badly that mm-hmm. they have an ego and they don't ever. I- I had stage presence, like I would, I would do the Roger Daltrey and like swing the mic around and do sure. acrobatics with it, but I could not hold a note. Mm-hmm. And I was like, just based on that criticism, I couldn't take criticism very well, apparently either, because that was that alone caused me to quit. I'm surprised you can't hold a note at all, because we've had some. Very, very fun sing-alongs to Alan John and Celine Dion. And that were great. Yeah, we harmonize a little. Like, it's not awful, like, what we did. I mean, well, because I, like... You've grown since then. I've grown. I've evolved. Yeah. Because, uh, like, I just naturally, like, started singing along the songs and, like, have, and that's how that's how Michael Bublé learned how to sing, was singing to, like, Sinatra and stuff. I've always thought of you as... The Michael Bublé of Southern California. New credit. Your metal Bublé. <laughs> and uh, and actually, Steve Perry from Journey learned how to sing by like listening to the radio and records and singing along. So like, I that's why I'm like better than my Steel Wizard Cloud Top Fighters days. Sure. sure. Um, and then Tyler and Kevin went on with a. Another friend named Matt, who ended up being in uh, As Dreams Turn to Nightmares, eventually. So Tyler um, and Kevin were two of the people in uh, Cloud Top In Cloud Top Fire, and then they ended up they starting ended up- a band called Cruel Eviction. Sure. That's the best name yet. <laughs> That's Which pretty cool. good. It's yes. not a bad That's name. not terrible. Yeah. That's not terrible. And uh, I remember Kevin was the drummer in that band, and Kevin... They were playing like a backyard party, and a kid threw a rock at his head. <laughs> and so Tom was playing guitar, and he suddenly stops oh. hearing drums. Oh my God. And Kevin like started chasing after the kid, and like furious. So great like, gigs all around, yeah. all around, like, only good drumsticks gigs. at a child. <laughs> so 
this is the thing with our bases. So the base. So this is in of uh, as dreams, dreams turn, turn to nightmares. nightmares. Yeah, yeah, we're we're swinging it back now. So he he was our bassist, right? But he did his base was this like Epiphone SG with like twenty year old like the strings were so rusted. You should oh, replace God. those fuckers. Like, he did, but he didn't know how to tune them. He didn't <laughs> know you get someone else to do it? I mean, that's crazy. Our, Kevin, our guitar player. Didn't you have player. to tune them anyway? Because you have to tune shit before you play it. Yeah. Oh, oh, so but Kevin, our guitar player, would tune his bass for him. Yeah, and let's just get oh, new yeah. strings while you're at it. And it, what we did, and then he would like put them on, but like he couldn't. He was always playing the root of the song. He never had like. And then he couldn't, he couldn't sing very well. It was very wild. His lyrics were horrible! And, and his spelling was even worse because we'd see him writing down and it was like, uh, chorus was like K-O-R. <laughs> it's like, your face. I'm not even That's kidding. That's so bad. And, and Rage of, we had a song, our second original song was called Rage of Angels. <laughs> not awful for an emo screamo metal. I mean, not like bad. that's not my favorite name, but like it's on brand at least. Yeah, okay. yeah, yeah. And we not, had it's gra- no Anvil's head. <laughs> <laughs> and we also had Graveyard Overture, which wasn't bad either. Sure. Yeah, that's sure. that works. an instrumental piece, I imagine. It was. Yeah, yes. yeah, yeah, yeah. Of course, um, it's an overture. Yeah, and uh, I remember, I remember, like near, I remember with Rage of Angels, we were recording it at. Like through like Audacity or GarageBand, whatever, mm-hmm. and we were at Alex's house, and Alex was just this emo kid anyway. Like after every practice, we would just Kevin and I would just like wrestle him and give him noogies and stuff, and like push him around. Mm. <laughs> and he was like, "Guys, stop it! Gosh, he was, he was like artist. a total emo Napoleon Dynamite. He was the artist, and you were the." You were the the ragers who were we were the ragers. Yeah. Um, I I remember like he was so bad because Kevin and I I brought my electric kit to, um, to Alex's house and I recorded my drums and that was fine. And then Kevin recorded his guitar and that was fine. And then Colin recorded his guitar and that was fine. And then Alex recorded his bass and screaming. And then we listened to the track. And I remember Kevin calling Alex, and he's like, Hey, Alex, so uh, just to let you know, we listened to the track, and, uh, you know, uh, guitar, um, drums all sound great, but we just need to change a few things. So he's like, Oh, okay, like what? He's like, Well, uh, we just need to, like, change the the bass a little bit. And he's like, All right, whatever. And then he's like, And the screaming. He's like, Okay, anything else? He's like, And the same. <laughs> oh. It's like so. Just everything I did. <laughs> We're like, yeah. Oh. So poor baby. Kevin and I got to the point where we was just like, Alex just isn't doing well as a band member. Like he's just not good. And I remember we sat that him, Kevin and I sat down at Barnes and Noble once, and we like wrote down a list of pros and cons about Alex being in the band. Oh, and. The cons were 20 long. We had 20 cons of him being in the band. Guess how many pros? One-ish. Four. One. I'm right. One pro, and the one pro of him being in the band, and this was word for word what we put, he's fun to beat up. (laughs) That's a terrible pro. I know, but that that was was the only thing we could think of. That's really a con. That's a con. (laughs) 
That's not good. That's a well, we weren't even violent people, but like we just realized like wrestling him after every single practice and like shooting airsoft pellets at him. <laughs> Jesus <We're> Christ! Like, <laughs> like he was just fun to pick on. He was just the, he was just punchable. I can't I can't say. Anything. I'm sorry. <laughs> That's really it. And we weren't even God. that kind of people either. <laughs> but he was just so emo and sad. We were just so we we did fire him, and then uh, Colin ended up being our vocalist and Colin was our vocalist for the longest time um and so Matt Matt finally entered our band and became one of our best friends and Matt was our bassist um he started off as a rhythm guitarist because Colin moved up to vocals and Matt our thing with Matt as rhythm guitarist was Matt just wanted to write riffs that were Matt was like a classic metalhead he was just like into like Metallica Megadeth uh, Armored Saint like anthrax those guys so he was very into like straightforward metal song structure of like same riff then a different riff four times then the first riff four times we're like just not a good songwriter because matt also wanted to write songs called like uh wings of destiny was the one (laughs) it was so gross and then and then he had another one called Monsters Are Due on Maple Street. What? I don't even know what that means. It, it's based on a Twilight Zone episode. Oh, title. God damn but, it. But uh, Kevin and I, during practice, would like make fun of it. And I would start off, I'd go, one, two, three, the Monsters Are Due on the Maple Street. The Monsters Are Due on the Maple Street. And we do like a Sex Pistols kind of thing. Uh-huh. And now it's be like, oh, very funny, guys. Yeah, okay, I get it. Uh-huh. And we'd keep going. And he had another song he showed us a file of called Boundless. <laughs> <laughs> it was so bad and then we do bound less bound less and he was like guys i get it fine so he became our bass player and he was actually a gr- that's him and his dad are both bass players and he matt was a much better bassist than rhythm guitar because his his tone anyway on his guitar is just bad but bass incredible like i, I love matt just as a friend and bass player um so then we got to the point, because Alex was no longer in the band, we, we had like a weird transitional period in the band where we hired uh, another singer, and it was a lady named mm-hmm. Sophia, who was super cool. Mm-hmm. And Sophia was like, she had like an Evanescence kind of voice, so we were like, let's try her out as like a different dynamic and stuff. Mm-hmm. And uh, just, she'd go in the, the Honda Odyssey with us every practice, too. And, like, we thought she was cool, but Alex kind of just, like, kept hitting on her and stuff. And, like, uh... so she just got uncomfortable to the point of, like, guys, I don't think this is right for me. But, like, honestly, Alex is just, like, hitting on me too much. How like, old are you by this point? Uh, like, 15, 16, roughly. Damn, so this is all, like, in the space of, like, a year. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I was, like, getting way more... I was, like, really learning metal drumming more and, like, actually into Event Sevenfold then. And I was, like, starting to know bands more and, like, really getting into the groove. Mm-hmm. Um, so it was it was then Colin, me, Matt, and Kevin. And then we we were like, all right, we, we got to change our band name. <laughs> like, this is just... Because, right. you, know, you know, people would keep asking, like, what's your band name? And then we'd have to be like, his dreams turn to nightmares. Yeah. We'd say ADTTN for short. 
But then people would be like, well, what's that stand for? And then you have to go, his dreams turn to nightmares. And then I go, oh, hmm. So we're like, all right, well, well that's it, nice. Okay. <laughs> we we would we would do like joke names, like just to joke around, like Google this, mm-hmm. or there's a bear in my trunk, or uh, we we did have one called like uh, gray something. That was all right, but uh, we <laughs> not good enough to keep or remember. Apparently, <laughs> nope. Mm-hmm. And so I I remember. Uh, I, I went back home and I was like thinking about it and I got this like flash of brilliance and I called Kevin. I was like, Kevin, I figured out our name. And he's like, what is it? And I said, our name is Good Morning Gamora, which is pretty cool. It's not bad. Yeah. Good Morning Gamora. Mm-hmm. Like it, it, good flow and like the idea of Gamora being rained down by fire. It's like, good morning. You're not a city anymore. And you're going back to your church roots. Yeah. A little bit. <laughs> And so Kevin was like, dude, that is really cool. So we, we ended up with that. And, uh, I remember like our, we just became like a big family after that. And our, our, we became from like screamo to like kind of hardcore. Mm-hmm. And we actually had like really good songs after that. We had, with like cool names, like what Fallout Boy would do, like really long titles. Like mm-hmm. we had like, we had a song called Save the Jackalope. Yeah. Was one we had a standstill in the silhouette of silence. Yeah. Very alliterative. Yeah. Essays uh, are always good. We had, we had another S song. It was Sean Connery can't say sit. Jeez. And and then the song started off with me going, "What are you kids doing shitting on my porch?" And then we went into the song. Um, we we really started to like get a voice of our own and like a style. We started doing. The the big local venue to play at the time with the metal scene was the local skate park called Midwest Skate Park. Sure. So everyone would gather, like, all the... We, we put on metal shows there. We had, like, a big headliner. Like, it was, like, the place to be for metal shows. And, like, we started being friends with everyone. And, like, people actually started liking us, like, our music and stuff. And, like, we're like, we, we should, like, try getting signed. And, like, you know how bands get when you're mm-hmm. young and new. And uh, we, like, really... I started, like, buying real drums at that point. Uh-huh. And, like, Kevin was, like, investing more into guitar and stuff like that. And, like, we would do weekly band practices at Colin's place. And so we'd, like, do song writing and, like, re- really starting to get a hold of stuff. And, like, it was a great band. Um, we actually did... I remember, like, a really good gig for us was uh, a battle of the bands at this uh, hotel called La Quinta Inn. Yeah. Mm. Oh, I'm aware of the La Quinta. Oh, you're... Okay. We know the La Quinta. Yeah, Yeah, so uh, La Quinta... This dude hit me up at... That we went to high school with. He's like, dude, we need a band for Battle of the Bands. Can you do it? It was, like, the night before. Mm -hmm. So I called Kevin at midnight. And me and my little brother shared a bunk bed. So I was bottom bunk and he was top bunk. So I had to, like, whisper it in myself. Uh, I was like, Kevin. He's like, why are you whispering? And I'm like, because my brother's sleeping. And so I was like, you want to do Battle of the Bands tomorrow? He's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. So we do it. And, like, we did three songs that were amazing. And, like, we were all, like, 16, 17. And the, all, all the judges were like, oh, are you guys, like, 
late for your bedtime and this and that. Like, you guys are great, but you, you have homework clever. to do. And like, Very clever, Lakita, in so, Battle of the Bands. So clever. And what a, what, a, what a pedestal to sit upon the judges at the Battle of the Bands at, at the, the Lakita La Inn. <laughs> and, 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 like, I had no idea how to present myself as a musician either. I had, like, I had short hair, like, crew-cut hair. That's bizarre. I Very. can't imagine that. <laughs> and, uh, and then, um... I wore, like, a, a dress shirt and, like, a My Chemical Roma, like, red and black striped tie. Mm-hmm. And then I had, like, these felt dress pants, but my butt, the butt of it was too big, so mm. it looked like an elephant pants almost. Mm. And it was just, like, so weird. So, uh, I, I remember, like, I got, senior year of high school, I got, like, my first girlfriend and... We were, like, graduating high school, and she wanted me to move, like, closer to her, which was, like, an hour and a half away. So I moved to Iowa. I was like, hey, guys, I can't be a part of the band anymore. And they were bummed. Mm. So uh, my replacement drummer, who became a good friend of mine, was his name is Ben Stone. Mm -hmm. And uh, we, we met him at McDonald's, but he was a great drummer, too. Just overall great dude. Another magic player. So we bonded mm, with that. Thank God. And, <laughs> and then, uh, and so I had to teach him all my drum parts, and that that was kind of that. Um, and then after college, I I lived with Kevin and his parents for a while, and Kevin and I started a new band, but not metal this time. Like we we were kind of like our, our first band t- together was called Seventh Level Revolution. Okay. <laughs> Anything's better than some of the <laughs> What's been your favorite so far? I don't even know. You got up to favorite Good Morning Gamora, and then, you had, and then you're like, okay, but we can't go too far into good names. We, we had 7th Level Revolution, and then we cut it down to 7th Level. It's better. Yeah. yeah, and we were kind of like a proggy Pearl Jam, almost. Okay. Like a prog rock Pearl Jam. Hmm. So we had some good songs. We were like really good songs, and like we played our college and stuff like that, and... Uh, um, and then Matt, like, we fired him and then got him back and fired him again and got him back. Um, What's the story there? Oh, yeah. <laughs> What's the story there? Was it like- well, because Matt would always, like, be like, hey, guys, I can't make it to practice for the millionth time. And, like, he'd always be, like, way too anal retentive with things. Like... He'd make, like, spreadsheets of stuff we needed to do. I was like, what's with the spreadsheet, dude? This is rock and roll, But yeah, he wasn't showing up to practice. It's like, on one hand, he sounds very dedicated, and on the other hand, no, he does not. Right. And he'd be like, I I can, send me the tracks, and I'll listen to them at home, and I'll do, it's like, dude, we need you at practices. But then, but then we would, like, realize we need a basis, so we would keep hiring him back. And then, uh, and then, um, let's see, so... So this is in college at this point. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Where'd um, you go to school? Um, at the time, so I went to Luther in Iowa for two years, and then I moved back home and went to the community college, mm-hmm. which is usually the other way around. Yeah. yeah. I, I like I like did four years of college to get a two year degree. Some people do do that though. It's so. crazy. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, so yeah, so you're still in this band at this point. Yeah. Yeah, and uh, we finally got a singer, and then we like started to become more stoner rock um like more cayuse and stuff like that and we we like we honestly loved our music we were doing really cool songs stuff like that and then our singer quit and then uh kevin and and i were just ourselves and we were like 
We eventually moved to Minneapolis because I, I had a new girlfriend who we were two years strong. And then we all moved. And then it was just Kevin and I for doing music together. So it wasn't really going anywhere. And then uh, two, a, a month into me being on the living with them, uh, t- she she broke up with me three weeks into us moving in. Oh, God. We were all living Great in the same timing. duplex. Great timing. I was like, what? And then uh, she was like, yeah, we're just getting disconnected, and I don't know why, but she was crying. I was like, I was shattered. And then, like, five days later or something, and she was like, yeah, we need to break up. And then I, I was, like, weeping, like, horribly, like, just never, I've never cried like that in my life, I don't think. Mm-hmm. And then and then Kevin was, like, comforting me and everything, and then, like, two months later, turns out that they were dating Hey! They had been the whole time, or... So I did the math on this, because I was super... Like, uh... I'm not... Because I'm so over it by now, I'm not even going to do names, honestly. Like, Mm -hmm. Kevin's the only one I'll bring up. Because I'm just so... I'm honestly so over But it's part of the story, so... Yeah, yeah. It's important. Um, But I I was dating her for two years. We were Mm -hmm. two years and one month in. And Kevin was my best friend of 10 years. Mm -hmm. So we were like inseparable. Like his family was my second family. Mm -hmm. Like they helped, they basically were like part of raising me. Mm -hmm. Uh, go, like we go on, they, they took me in for a while. Like they took me fishing. Like we, we like all loved each other. Uh, so she broke up with me three weeks into September when we moved in. And then I did the math when they made an announcement of like, we're, we're, and I was in LA at the time when they like did the, oh, we're one year date or like whatever. Oh, so you had already. And I saw the date and then I put a year back and I was like, that means that like four days later after her breaking up, she dated him. So they didn't cheat. They just didn't, were already probably into each other and started. Here's the thing: they they claim that they didn't cheat, but like if it was four days, there was already strong. There was feelings. a prequel, yeah. There was emotional yeah. cheating for sure. Yeah, so yeah. I I do consider it cheating, absolutely, as much as they deny. Well, especially when you're close to both parties too. Like if you're dating someone and they kind of fall for some yucko you've never met, it doesn't hurt less. But like. There's a way to compartmentalize it eventually, but it's really a double whammy if it's someone you know, let alone are very close with. Yeah. Because then it's kind of the demise of two friendships or two relationships. Exactly. Yeah. It was it was a total explosion. Absolutely. Like, uh, I, I, I was honestly more upset, like, with all the coping of it, I was more upset about losing Kevin sure. than her, which sounds bad. Well, so no, you know but, each other. But like, yeah. Yeah, and we had such a stronger bond. Mm-hmm. Um, so I was like, she, she, like when I was dating her, I was like, everything about her is so perfect. Like Mm -hmm. we, we got, we were like so amazing together. Like I couldn't imagine, but, uh, (laughs) then that you never plan on these things to happen. So, Mm -hmm. um, so at this point you're in Minneapolis and that has happened. Yeah. That was three, three weeks into me living in Minneapolis. So. Uh, after that, so I, this is how I found out about them dating is Kevin and I, like, so, so she moved out and cause she was like staying with a mutual friend. I was like, whatever. And then I noticed like more and more that 
I'd be like, hey, Kevin, want to go to this concert? This guy I met at Walgreens says that he can get me backstage passes sure. to any show I want. Trust anyone at Walgreens, yeah. Yeah, so there was, like, this great show, and I was like, Kevin, you want backstage passes? He's like, oh, uh, me and Courtney are... Oh, I didn't mean to say... Oh, fuck. Whatever. <laughs> me, me and her are, uh, are uh, going to go to the show. I was like, What? I, I'm telling you, backstage passes. Plus, why is he, even if you didn't think they were dating, why is he hanging out with your very recent ex-girlfriend when he's your best friend? That's that's all I kept thinking, because yeah. he, he also before that was like, I'm going to go hang out with her because she needs like she needs like someone there. And I'm like... One of my chops liver. <laughs> yeah, I was like, dude, she's my ex. Yeah. Like, I, you don't think I don't need somebody right, right now? Mm-hmm. And he's like, well, I don't know. And uh, so he, he like went to hang out. And then even weirder is he came home once because he ended up sleeping over at her place. Mm. And then there was like some, there was like some sort of time when her and I were like reconciling. Were she romantically inv- or just being okay with each other? Being okay with each other. Okay. Like, cause, cause we did a closure meetup for coffee, sure, like sure. a couple, and it was like so heartbreaking, of course, but. Then she was like, come over to my new apartment, I'll make you breakfast. I was like, alright, you know, okay. So, this is what, this is why him sleeping over like really clicked for me. Because when I came over to her place, it was A, a studio. She, she oh, had. So it's not like he crashed on the couch. She, she didn't really have a cat. There was like a chair and yeah. then like her bed and then a hardwood floor. Right. Mm-hmm. And and then so only so many places to sleep. Exactly. So he came back, and in my mind, I kind of knew what was happening because I put the pieces together, but yeah. I didn't want to call. Him. And so I, I did some things where he came back, and at first he uh, he's like, "Hey, what's up?" I was like, "Hey, so uh, how's the floor?" <laughs> and you could tell he was kind of nervous. That's so shitty that, I mean, I know you guys are all young when this is happening, but it's so shitty that my philosophy in life is people make mistakes or you can't help who you fall for. But if you're going to do something shitty, like date your best friend's recent ex-girlfriend, don't do it behind your back. Be upfront. Be like, hey, I've been falling for this person too. This is something I need to explore, but I'm going to at least give you the courtesy of telling you instead of driving. Because you always find out or figure it out. And and that that comes up. So. So another piece of the puzzle was like even more knowing. I was like, uh, just to kind of make him nervous more and mm-hmm. see Good what he you. what see see what he would, he was he was cooking something in the kitchen. I was sitting down and he's like, and I was just like, Kevin, uh, you you would never betray me, right? <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> and he and I and I could tell he was just like a lot was cooking behind his head, yeah. and he's like, yeah, no, man, no, 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 no. And and then th- this is when I knew something happened because uh, like besides not circumstantially in it those were circumstantial things. This is when I knew something because we were sitting together on the couch and I, I looked over at him texting and it was her and he started off the sentence with babe. Oh boy! And this was right before him and I were gonna jam. Oh god! And in my head I, I'm just like. I know what's happening, but I also don't want to bring up anything. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I was just like, 
I was just like seething with rage inside. Oh my god, you poor thing. And then we had to jam together. How was that? How'd that go? Very plant and page. Nice. Um, I, I just put on like a mask almost, yeah. or I mm-hmm. just pretended not to do anything. And it was the greatest music of your life. <laughs> Imagine that, page, right? Page, yeah. Like, yeah. If it was like a Fleetwood Mac situation. Yeah. yeah. Um, so, yeah, it's more <laughs> where it where it all comes to fruition, uh, a big part of me moving here, mm-hmm. um, where it all comes to fruition is, uh, I don't remember what day, but it, it was in October, I want to say. It's like a month-ish later. Yeah, yeah. And uh, the day of, I got into a car accident. Oh, shit. On the highway. Like, not, it didn't total it, but it was a lot of cosmetic damage. Like, this big semi, like, took out my mirror. Oh, wow. And whatnot, and, like, did a, quite a number on my car. So I, I was like, hey, guys, uh, I got into a car accident. This, uh, and they're like, oh, my God, I'm so sorry, Theo. And so I just kind of had a, a self-care day. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I, I, like, ordered a pizza for myself and got wine and stuff. Now, they know I got into a car accident, but then Kevin uh, texts me, and he's like, hey, hey, dude, we need to talk. What a great day in your history. Amazing. This day can't get any better, Blair. Oh I mean, I guess, get any I guess he's just like, well, Theo might die before I tell him, so holy shit. <laughs> Which is like fucking... such a selfish reaction, yeah. even though he thinks he's probably being noble, if that's what it was at yeah. all. Right. So, I- I'm thinking, I'm thinking, because... I got offered to go to LA for my brother, so we were just kind of talking about money. No, no, no. This was slight, slightly before that, because there was like some stuff going on with like the lease agreement, whatever. Mm-hmm. So we were figuring that out, but we got all the money stuff figured out. So I was like, what? Maybe he wants to talk about money again? Mm-hmm. Both, like just to reassure? Uh, who knows? Mm-hmm. So I'm sitting there at nighttime and. Uh, there's a, the door opens and I'm sitting on the couch and he comes in and guess who follows him in the door? The girl. Yes. And that's immediately when I knew my heart sank. (gasps) And then they could probably see it on my face, but she sits in one chair and he sits down opposite from me in another yeah, it's like chair. Your parents telling you they're getting divorced, uh, except the kind of total fucking opposite. <laughs> yeah, so, someone, someone else said that too. Yeah, um, yeah. Where they're like, it's they're like your parents. You down to yeah, have a talk. Yeah, yeah. life changing talk. Yeah, mm-hmm. and it is the opposite though. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I wish it was a divorce to be honest, but I don't blame you. Um, but he's like, hey man, so, uh, her and I have been, uh, dating. And for the first time in my life, I like, I like yelled it. I was like, I didn't start yelling at first, but I was like, the first thing I said was like, what the fuck? Mm-hmm. And then it's either me or her. Oh. I don't totally blame you though, because of the way that they did it. <laughs> You know what I mean? Like, I literally, like, I've never done anything like this, but I've been in your shoes to less serious extents, meaning, Mm -hmm. like, I've sort of dated people, it didn't work out, and then a roommate tries to date them. Yeah. And and I'm like, this is fucked up a little bit, because they weren't nice to me, so I'm like, why do you think he'll be nice to you? Like, it's not even so much I'm in love with this person, it's just, like, you saw that this was not a good, you know? And, And it's like, 
of course there was sneaking around and I kind of already knew something was up prior. Like these situations, like people are people, you can't help who you like. But like, if you do things in a respectful and dignified way involving the person that's going to get the most hurt, it's not going to go great, but it gives you a chance to like bounce back or give them some dignity and not drive them slowly crazy. Yeah. There's just a better way to do this stuff. Cause like, I know I can't fight city hall. If two people want to date each other, I can't stop it. No matter how close I am to them. Burn down city hall. But they, but yeah, they burn it down. You know, I'm trying, like, I'm trying to be nice, but you're not giving me any respect. Yeah. And, and at that, and, and so the, around this time too is when I was going to move to LA because my brother. Thank goodness uh, you already kind of knew that was happening. You had like an exit strategy. And and this is, this is what's crazy. So I'll, I'll get to the rest of the argument and stuff, Mm -hmm. but, um, my, I was working on a a drama script at the time with my older brother. Mm -hmm. And so he was like, Hey, I kind of need you here more than there. Like, you want to move out here? I'll put you up for a few months and we'll work on it. And then you can figure out stuff after that. I was like, and then I told him, I was like, hey, so things are going south with my girlfriend. Like, we're not, and I, I told him, I told him, I said, I honestly hope that, like, she, um, I honestly hope that she breaks up with me just so I can do this. Mm. It was like a lifetime opportunity. Yeah. It was like my, like, cause I visited LA, uh, last, the year before that. And I was like, I want to make this my home. Like, mm-hmm. this is so, yeah. it feels so, so good. You were very in love with her, but you kind of, she was keeping you to Minneapolis basically. Right. And like, because, because she already felt disconnected and this was before she broke up, but like after the disconnect talk, like after she separated. Yeah. So I I told my brother, I was like straight up, I hope she does break up because then I have every reason, like I have nothing here for me then. And somehow life Mm -hmm. was like, all right, there's your opportunity. Mm -hmm. So I, I was already making plans to move to LA so we get back to the argument. I was like, it's either it's either me or her. I, I was like, are you serious, man? I was like, yeah, dude, because you totally betrayed me. Yeah, you're, you're like you like went behind my back and like, and he's like, well, I could just hide my feelings, and my therapist said to bury them, but I can't <gasps> bury my feelings. What? That's oh my so God. many thoughts. Okay. Oh yeah, so many. First Isn't of all. It? What therapist tells you to bury feelings? Well, bury the feelings about her. Oh. That's That's not, still a little no, fucked that's, up, though. That's fucked up. That's yeah. It is weird, like, now that I think about it. Yeah. And it's so weird he's deflecting and blaming someone else for something. When I mean, I know you guys are, like, 22 or whatever, but, like, be accountable a little. Like, it's yeah. just shitty. Everything everything he just said was shitty. Oh, yeah. yeah. Like, yeah. And he's like, so I, could, I couldn't hide my feelings, man. Like, I, I just... Uh, it was too much. Like I, I have to. T- I had to tell her. I was like, "You didn't have to. Dude. You could have listened to your therapist." And I was <laughs> like, "I was like, I was like screaming profanities at him and stuff, and just like super pissed. Like I, I had it." And then so he's like, "Well, you, but you betrayed me because you're you're moving to L.A." What? I'm like, I'm like, dude, you told me to do it. Like you, you told me it was a good move because when when my brother offered it, I said, "Hey, Kevin, I got an offer to move to L.A." Right, and you could tell he was crushed because, like, we were best friends, and uh, and like the idea of losing your best friend is terrible. Yeah, he's like, he's like, but to be honest, like, if I got an art thing, 
to move to Washington, I'd do it. Well, plus, like, a lot of people, if they have a breakup, they move. Like, that's not unheard of. Like, you do something after a breakup, whether it's a haircut, whether it's a new career, whether you go out and be social more. Yeah. Or move. I mean, it's a big thing. You react to it. And he's secretly dating this woman. Would he think you were going to stick around and, like, third, third it? wheel it? Yeah. In a platonic way with no feelings? Like, what the hell? And, and this, and I had, like, us three did hang out post-breakup, and I had to be the third wheel to their oh, relationship. that's awful. That's, like, mm. salt in the wound. That's it's horrible. terrible. Yeah. I don't know why I thought that would be ever a good idea. Maybe <laughs> I was holding on to some... To some sort of last crumb. Yeah. Or trying to be nice or trying to... Something. Trying to, yeah, trying to allow your... Trying to make yourself believe that it's not what it is. So so then we're doing this, like... I'm, like, screaming at him, and he's obviously, like... He's, like, mad about it. But uh, then she gets uh, upset. And then she's like, I need to go home. And Kevin's like... Theo, we'll talk about this uh, tomorrow after after work, but uh, I'm going to go take her home. I was like, fucking fine. And so I'm just like, I'm just pissed to the britches about this. And uh, I have to go to work the next day at Walgreens with, yeah. with this all happening. I do not want to work, but I have to. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so I'm just seething with rage at work all day. I'm like, how's this talk going to go? So I get back home late at night from work, and I see you. I can see the kitchen from the doorway, and I just see the lights on in the kitchen, and Kevin's sitting there in a chair with his guitar, like waiting for me to get home. Because he's so deep, and he's just using this for his art. I need to write yeah. about this moment. Yeah. And then, uh, God. So I sit down, and like he offers me a beer, I take the beer. Why not? Sure. And then we just, we have, I'm like still saying profanities to him, but in a calm manner. Sure. And Which is weird. But then uh, he, he basically iterates the same things. He's like, yeah, I couldn't hide my feelings anymore. I told you. And like, it's just. I hate it when people double down and just repeat what they fucking said. Yeah. Yeah. Not it's, even acknowledging me. Yes. You have to. If you're going to repeat stuff, you have to find a new way to say it, and you're right. You have to be like, look, I hear you, you're hurt, and this is shitty, and I'm so sorry for my part, but I have these feelings, and then you enter the new way to say it. It's and not he even did like, not empathize at all that way. That's terrible communication. Mm-hmm. So then then the end of the conversation was just us sitting in silence, him picking his guitar for like 10 minutes. Because he's then... an artist, I'm making fun of those. <laughs> yeah! <laughs> And then uh, I basically get out of my chair and, like, go in my room. And um, we, none of us are moving out, but I I have to move to L.A. in, like, three weeks. Mm -hmm. So we have to live in a house together for three weeks. How'd that go? So awkward. Yeah. Yeah. Like, we have to avoid each other and, like, barely talk to each other. And uh, I was at the point anyway where Walgreens was getting so toxic for me. Mm -hmm. And, like... It was also like the worst, the worst Halloween for me too, because I, I got I got a nice Halloween costume when we were still together. I was what excited. Was, what was the costume? It was a Lego Man morph. Nice. Suit. Like cool. I was going to be a, a Lego Man. So Kevin is doing Halloween with her, 
at a different thing. So I still put on... I'm not wasting a morph suit. I still put on the Lego Man, and I go to the bar by myself. Aww. So I'm, I'm this sad, drunk Lego Man. Oh, my God. And, and, like, you couldn't breathe in there, and I'm walking back through the snow... And like people, oh, this just gets more depressing. Oh yeah, and <laughs> you're Charlie Brown. And you can't breathe point. in the mask, and the and no one can see your face in it. So, and because there's no air, and I'm drunk, I start to like throw up. Oh my <laughs> god! And so anyone who's seeing this walking towards me is just seeing like this symbol of their childhood, just and, like you're ruining Bleh. people's lives. I am. <laughs> This is a sad Lego man oh, walking back home. Let my sadness spread. <laughs> Building sadness. Misery loves company. Yeah. Oh my god. Um, yeah, so that was just a bad Halloween. And then I put in my two-week notice with Walgreens because I was like, I am in no headspace to work at this terrible job. Plus you're moving anyway, so I imagine you must have had to. Yeah, and I, I was just selling stuff also and mm-hmm. so I could have money to move. And, I, and back to music... During this point, <laughs> no. So, so I actually was. I found I found like a shelter with this while I was working at Walgreens. This guy comes in and he's tall, and I realized we had the same nose, and he had long hair. And I was like, and we so both ghost turned of Theo future a little bit. And uh, his name was Nick, but we turned around and we're like we had the same nose, and then we got to talking. What and was the like, conversation started, right? And. uh he turns out he plays bass for a metal band, and he's like, "You, you play drums? Let's jam." And we, it turns out that we both love metal, and so he invites me to jam with him, and him and I become great, great friends. Mm-hmm. And I, I jam with his metal band, and we were called uh, what was our oh, band here name? Comes, here it comes. Uh, throw, throwing up in a Lego suit. <laughs> no, it was called Gossamer Blanket. Oh God! We're back to no good. <laughs> But we're we're at no good, but in a different way now. Yeah, we're, we're now no good in like a willowy like. I can only imagine if you were in improv, what you would name your improv team. It's oh, like, fuck. I don't want to know. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, we practice. We were kind of like doom metal almost, and uh, like how appropriate for this phase of your life. Very, yeah. And, and he was just him and the other band member were just great friends to have around because Nick would like call me and hang out all the time and. Mm-hmm invite me over for barbecue and stuff and like he was just good to talk to because like he's the friend i needed at the time yeah. mm-hmm. i had nobody else he was it and he actually i called him up i was like hey i'm moving to la i'm driving out you want to come with and he immediately said yes wow. he's like i'll get a plane ticket back but absolutely i'll come with mm-hmm. nice. um a week into my two-week notice was a friday i did it was the end of the first week and, like, I already got done, like, getting yelled at by customers for something that wasn't my fault. Mm-hmm. It was cold as hell outside. I was done. I, my other friends, too, I met from work it was a lesbian couple. Um, and then, like, so I had, like, this cool group I made. Um, and then, oh, we, I, I, I wrote a note at the end of the first week and I posted it on the general manager's door, I was like, hey, I'm not going to honor my second week. I just am done emotionally. And she called me the next day. She's like, so you're going to come into work, right? And do the week. And I'm like, this is what I said. I said, I said, Nikki, if I have to go there one more day, I'm going postal. 
<laughs> and then you could tell like her her fear on the other end of the line. And I was like, but well, let's keep in touch. <laughs> and then she's like, we'll see. And then hung up. <laughs> so I, I spent like the last I spent like the last two weeks just in my house packing, selling things, and like watching documentaries and listening to like Pussifer and Tool by myself. All the angstiest stuff you could find. Oh, for sure. And like Russian circles and just like instrumental and Mm -hmm. like I had like no social skills because I was just isolating for two weeks. I like my only my only like escape would be going to the coffee shop down the street. And, like, hanging out with Nick or Claire or them. Mm -hmm. So then I finally made the trip out here and uh, uh, with Nick, and it was great. Like, it was – we we left on, like, a dark, snowy morning. And and I remember, like, my car was all packed up and, like, we were actually doing it and leaving. And my car worked. I was like, if my car just dies on me now, this is going to be so bad. But it didn't. Yay. And we drove cross country, took two days. We spent the first night in Denver, actually. Ooh la la, where I spent 10 years of my glorious life. (laughs) Yep. And then the second night we spent in uh, Vegas, and it happened to be New Year's Eve in Vegas. So we spent that, and then we ended up in L.A. New Year's Day of 2015. No way. So you're about to hit your five-year mark. Uh, next year, yeah. Yeah, well, in a couple months. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I love just... It was so yeah. symbolic. So, so much symbolism. Fre- fresh it. year, fresh me, like, getting to start from scratch. Nobody yeah. knows me in LA, so I get to, like, It is a really good feeling. Like, it's not like you can totally reinvent the wheel, having moved a few times, but, like, so nice to exercise out your current problems if people are, like, causing you grief or whatever. Oh, absolutely. And it was just so refreshing, because I... Like, because I didn't have any friends, I could just work with my brother the whole time. Yeah. And then, uh, then, uh, I remember, like, months later after I was moved out and living somewhere else, I met this dude named Ernie, who was a bass player, and we met at, we met on Craigslist. Ernie uh, Ball? No. It wasn't Ernie Ball. Damn it. Uh-huh. He, he makes, he makes guitar strings. It wasn't uh-huh. a great job. I got it. Got but, it. But, yeah. Got it. Anyway. But we, we ended up uh, starting a band. He's like, oh, I play drums. Let's jam it. So I was going to ask that if you just dropped music when you moved yeah. out here, but I guess not. No. So, okay. I, I still did it. And because uh, this was me just starting comedy, too. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then uh, we were like kind of like if Deftones met the Black Crows almost. Oh, that's fun. Okay. We had like really good jams. What was your name? What was the name? We didn't have one, actually. That's we, the we best didn't... one yet! Yes! We gave we up! We didn't think of one! Gave up! Gave up! Gave up! And then the guitarist turned out to be uh, um, just, like, really vacant, so he, like, dropped out, and then the band was no more. And then, uh, I th- like, two years ago, Ernie died, actually. Oh, no. oh, shit. Yeah, he got some bad illness and then died in the hospital, so... Uh, that was the last time I was in a band. So you started doing more comedy. Did it just, did you just not have time for music anymore? Did you lose your interest in it? Did comedy, your calling, as you said, was it stronger than music? How did that all, how did that all transition, I guess? Yeah. Uh. And when, when did that start? What'd you say? I started comedy April of twenty. 15. Okay. So pretty quick after you moved here. Yeah, like four months in. Mm-hmm. And uh, 
that that quickly became like my new like I realized it was how obsessed with it I was becoming, mm-hmm. and like mm-hmm. this is a good. And I was like, music and comedy are both nighttime activities. Yeah. Like if I go on, if I this is all night activities, like performing. So I have to choose. They're actually really similar too, in like a different way. Where like, um, I I've had a teacher this summer with uh, sketch comedy performing who is always saying there's a musicality to sketch. You know, like yeah. you have to hit certain beats in a certain way for them to land. You have to, you know, and I'm like, oh, that's true. It's kind of like a dance, almost even more than like a com, com or yeah. sorry, music. But obviously, you can't dance without music, or not really. So, um, so it's interesting. There, there is similarities, but you're right. Both night, Still nighttime, nighttime and yeah, yes. and, and music's a bit more expensive because you yeah. have to like buy equipment. You have to yeah. like put in stuff for like recording with the band so yeah. i like auditioned for a few bands too uh at studios but i just wasn't feeling it as much and mm-hmm. i just like decided comedy was my thing like mu- music is always going to have a place in my heart of course but mm-hmm. i like comedy is just like my new calling so yeah. can i put forward a theory okay a psychological like theory all right so what we seem to be tracing here is the idea that uh, music for you um, kind of seemed to end in tragedy a few times, right? Well, it also ended in tragedy, too, because uh, Colin committed suicide. Fuck. Uh, six years ago. Shit. Oh, wow. In June. Yeah. So. And that's... And that that was after we haven't talked for a while, mm-hmm. and uh, Kevin Kevin and I were like out of touch with him. We didn't know what was that. We heard he had like a heroin habit mm-hmm. a little bit, but then we found out that he shot himself in his basement where we practiced all those weeks oh, using awful. his dad's gun. Holy shit! So it was just like, and then I never got to see the note. I don't even. Mm-hmm. I don't even. I could be wrong, but I don't think his parents even got to see the... They maybe saw the note. I don't know. Wait, why wouldn't they see the note? Did, like, the police take it, or...? I don't know. I I mean, th- that's that memory is jumbled for me. Mm-hmm. But uh, it was just like it was like my first big tragedy, yeah. uh-huh. in a way. And, um, well, not in a way. It was. And uh, yeah. I remember, like, a profound thing for me that happened with Colin was um, at, at the funeral... We were all asked to put a note in his in his uh, coffin before mm-hmm. they lowered it. Mm-hmm. So it was an open casket, mm-hmm. and uh, so I put in a note. I was I wrote down um, it. I, I basically put, "If you're okay, give me a sign." Uh-huh. So I put it. I put it in the coffin, and then uh, I remember the reception was after they lowered it. It was like around lunchtime. It was like a luncheon. Mm-hmm. And then I remember getting this phone call from this unknown number, and then I, of course, wasn't going to answer it, because we're at a funeral, for God's sake. But it left a voicemail, and I, I listened to the voicemail, and it was just a bunch of, like, it was like wind blowing and stuff like that, as if some if, if it was like a car window open, and it was like traveling down a road, but it was like all this wind and then in the distance, I heard, like, faint guitar chords being strung. Jesus. And I was like, this this soon after him, I was mm-hmm. like, I think that's my... I knew then that was the sign. 
was like, I think he is in a better place now. So, yeah, a lot, plenty of tra- that. That was like a a tragic way to end that chapter. But yeah, yeah, and that's the that's the thing I wonder with it too, because it's like because you had that, and then moving to Minneapolis with your girlfriend and your best friend, and then that happened, and that was like the the bands in that too, and then there's the girlfriend Ernie. before that, and then there's Ernie. So, oh, well, and yeah. then on top of that, uh, two months later, after Colin committed suicide, my, uh, basically my soulmate, like, her and I were, like, so connected spiritually, and, like, just every, we loved everything about the same, but she got murdered. Holy shit. So, that was in the course of, like, a two or three month span. Oh, and that was, yeah. So, that, that was... Those are both six years ago. So, what I wonder to some extent okay. is, do you think that's why you kind of fell out of love with music? Or performing music? Yeah. Is it still appreciated as you had, or... Uh, I wonder if it sounds true. profound to say that, but quite honestly, it's just because comedy overtook everything okay. else just my love of comedy just like i truly i truly just love it way more yeah it, it like it lets me it lets me be mean way more well mm-hmm. i think that's fair and i think especially since you do stand up and you're not i mean i know you collaborate with people you collaborate with me you collaborate with others but like you're mostly a stand-up man over like a sketch or an improv dude mm-hmm. and you can kind of just be accountable for your own fate whereas when you're on a team or a band it's a group effort. Yeah. And even without the tragedy, it sounded like there was some drama with, like, finding the right bass player and, like, people not showing up. And then, of course, the yeah. whole, the whole, oh, someone stole my girlfriend. Or, you know, like, right. I mean, it's it's a little easier to be your own force of nature and not have to rely on other people. Absolutely. Yeah. Like, so, tons of chapters in my life have ended with, like, crazy tragedies. Like, uh, well... One of the last podcasts I was involved with, like, I was living in the mobile studio, which was an RV that we built, and Halloween night of two years ago. Halloween's uh, a bad night. It's a horrible night. Uh, An arsonist blew up our RV. Jesus fucking Christ. So I came back the next morning to a crater in the ground with, like, nothing left. And I I was just, like, I was homeless and possessionless, essentially. So, like, I had to re- I, I thought of myself literally at that point as a phoenix. Or just, like, yeah. so many times in my life I've gone through, like, closing tragedies like that, where I've had to constantly rebuild, and I'm just this phoenix that keeps getting burned down yeah. and having to recreate. But But the fact that I keep rising is what matters the most to me. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, so you're now in comedy, you're in love with it. Do you think anything would ever bring you back to music? Or is it something that you just don't think of? It, it just doesn't, uh, I don't know. It would it would have to be, like, probably another hell, probably another tragedy. Yeah. Like, make, like, like some divine being comes down and is like, Theo, you're not meant for comedy. It would <laughs> have to be that. Yeah. <laughs> 
Because I other like otherwise I'm at the point of no return. Like yeah. not nothing can get me back to music that uh, that deeply, that seriously. Yeah. Mm-hmm. What if you did a comedy music album? <laughs> <laughs> you know, I, comedy. I actually thought of doing something like that, like an experimental an experimental comedy out where I do jokes and then like behind me, like as a backing band, is like a metal band. <laughs> Where I did, like do a joke and then there's like a they do like a quick metal song. And their then... their version of the butum tus is Yeah, I mean, but comedy is my new calling and obsession, so I think that's just where my path was meant. And yeah. it's been working out, so not everyone's calling at fifteen is what they actually do for the rest of their life. Mm-hmm. I mean, I was pretty into music too at some point, and I was like, "Yeah, this is it. Same trajectory." It's like, no, comedy is better for yeah. so many reasons, or at least better suited for me. And it's so weird because uh, there's so many comedians you talk to who also were musicians at mm-hmm. some point, and then there's so many musicians. I mean, there's so many comedians that like turn into musicians, mm-hmm. like. It's an old saying. They're like, comedians want to be musicians, and musicians want to be comedians. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, that's that's true. Yeah. yeah, and so you just decided to do both. Yeah, why not? Basically. Why not? Why not make the Gulf double bridge threat. the Gulf? Double threat. Double yeah, threat. double threat. Theo Manhattan. Yeah. Oh yeah. Well, that might be a good stopping point. I yeah. can't think of anything else to ask. Mr. Champagne, do oh, you have anything? We've had a lot, so yeah. I, I'm good, man. I think I think we covered quite a lot of ground. Yeah. Holy shit. So, Theo, um, tell our lovely listeners where to not only find you on social media, but also anything you want to promote project-wise, show-wise, any old thing at all. Okay. Uh, this old thing? Yeah. Uh, I'm, g- I'm going to... Well, you can find me on Instagram at the most relatable man. Um, I'm also in conjunction with Unfunny Network, so you can follow Unfunny Network. Buy my merch. Uh, just hit me up for merch. I have cool shirts. Um, find me on Facebook at Theo Manhattan. And uh, also, sh- shows to coming up to promote. Big ones coming up. Uh, I'm doing... The Spirit of the Law Awards fundraiser starting September 22nd. I'm hosting that at the Hollywood Improv, the main room. Holy shit. Um, and that's, that's going to continue with other dates. We have October 3rd at the Comedy Palace. We have November 9th at Ventura Harbor Comedy Club. December 15th at Comedy Underground in Seattle. And January 12th at Ontario Improv that I'm hosting. So more dates will be added, but you can find me. I post them on Instagram so you can catch up with my dates on there. Oh, la, la. And also, I realize this is a first. We've never said this on the podcast, but so I've mentioned a little bit in passing. I'm a puppeteer. I have a project called Raquel and Friends. Cody, yeah. host, is an actor on Raquel and Friends. But Theo is too. I am too. It's yeah. kind of appropriate to like part of my plugs. Follow Raquel Hardy Donovan on Instagram if you want to see these two beautiful men's in photos and find out when I'm doing shows with them. Well, and because we did say we were besties, we weren't lying about it. Yeah, we that. really oh, yeah. all are like very tight. Real besties. Us, so, um, 
yeah, this has been This Never Comes Up. I'm Lauren Blair Donovan. We don't have social media for this project. Maybe Yet. ever. It's going to be maybe ever. Finger. I don't think we will. I don't feel like either one of us wants to make it. Here's what, here's what we'll do is we'll, we'll, every episode we'll decide then if we still want to do it. And by that, I mean, we're <laughs> going to decide every it's time just, that we don't want to do it. It's our runner. It's like our little 20th century sitcom runner where it's like, will those crazy kids ever do something different? It's like, will the, will the uh, roadrunner ever catch the coyote or no, the coyote ever yeah. catch the roadrunner? No. Will we no. ever get social media? No. no. Yeah. But you're enjoying the ride. We are the coyote and social media is the roadrunner. <laughs> yes. Jumping the shark is if yes. we actually get a social media. We do. Right, and it's it's, right. a, it's the twist that nobody will believe. Yes. They're like, oh, they're lying. It's April Fool's. Yeah. But it's February or whatever. But you can follow for episodes at Blairosaurus underscore Rex on Instagram and Blairosaurus Rex on Twitter, um, Blair, like the name, B-L-A-I-R-O, and then Saurus, like the dinosaur, duh, duh. S-A-U-R, U-S. Um, dinosaur. And Find Cody's not really on social media either, hence you gotta follow me. Facebook. It's all about me. Follow me on Facebook. <laughs> <laughs> Add him, great. tell him you think he's pretty, just Yay. creep him out, catfish him, you know, whatever, social media, his Stop private, it. his private Facebook account, just do it. Do it. <laughs> Is all it right. private? Uh, yeah, I'm not telling these motherfuckers. <laughs> I know, I know the people who, the kind of people who are going to well, listen to this. A, if it's a profile, it's it's for your friends and family. If it's a page that you can like, that's supposed to be. That's the way they set it up. Sure, not everyone plays by those rules. But sure, yeah, sure. Uh, don't add me. I won't add you if I don't know you. I'm not gonna lie. <laughs> <laughs> I like some privacy measure, but yes, Instagram and Twitter stalk away. Yeah. I cannot stop you and. Uh, that should be it. Yeah. Tune back next week. Thanks. Bye. Bye.